Welcome to The Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today, I have the privilege of being in conversation with one of the most significant upcoming conductors of his generation, having worked in the symphonic and in operatic fields. Currently, he is developing his doctorate studies at the Peabody Institute of Johns Hopkins University under the mentorship of Marin Alsip, uh, where he is serving as her graduate assistant. In 2022, uh, he joined the Hopkins Symphony Orchestra in the position of assistant conductor. Please welcome Giuliano Anacinto. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be with, with you and share this conversation with you today. Yes, um, it's it's a privilege and a pleasure to have you on here. And I mean, I'm I'm getting the the upper crust. I'm getting the a little bit of like refinedness here. I'm talking to people who are in classical music. I mean, I just with Godfrey East Baltimore, but I mean, <laughs> what, what are we doing here? What are we doing? So many things. Um, so yeah, again, thank you. And be, before we get too deep into the uh, the conversation, um, could you share with me, like, pretty much like your your story, like in, in the distilled format, like ultimately how you got here? Like, you know, some people may say, "Hey, I just you know took a left and then came down this street." Other people have a long <laughs> winding road, you know. So, what is the the Giuliano story? Tell me. Yeah, so let's make it short. When I was born in 1987, just kidding. Um, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I think that would be a little bit too long. Um, I I am a conductor, as you as you said. I'm passionate about music and about people. And um, I was born in Brazil. I was born in São Paulo State, São Paulo City, um, in Brazil. Uh, I'm 35 years old and. We we were living in São Paulo, and after some years, when I was eight years old, my um, my grandfather, my my father, sorry, uh, lost his job in São Paulo, and we moved to Rio de Janeiro. And there, I had my first contact with music. Uh, we lived in the favelas in Rio de Janeiro, and uh, I had my first contact with music, and it was such an amazing thing. I was I, I used to play the flute, and flute is my passion. Um, it's one of my favorite instruments and I dedicated myself for many, many years for this instrument. But, you know, classical music was never a thing in the community I live in. Sure. I lived in, in Brazil. So when I was about 18 years old, uh, the Brazilian Symphony Orchestra decided to play a concert in a church. And my family decided to go. And for the first time, I heard the symphony orchestra for in my life. Yeah. And that changed completely my my perspective of music, my perspective of world, and how I would uh, live for the next decades or so, or so or until now. So that was a really life changing experience. And when I, I decided to become a conductor, so it was a long journey from from Rio de Janeiro, and then start you know the early studies in classical music being. Uh, late bird as people say here in the united <laughs> states you know my parents they started classical music when they were three six years old i started when i was 18 so um but i think in some way the passion for 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 this kind of music makes things so much better and so much joyful yeah. so i was able to you know keep developing keep developing and um so at some point i was working in brazil as a as a conductor already um, in the operatic world and also in the symphonic world as assistant conductor of orchestras and opera houses in Brazil. And they decided that was time to explore 
the the world and you know sometimes we need to have these primary sources to have contact with who did it uh, with the main 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 sources of inspiration and this is when i decided to to move abroad so yeah. i thought about europe i thought about the united states and i end up coming to the us uh i did my masters in north carolina and then i had the big dream that to be really honest i didn't believe i would be able to uh, study with Marion also at the Peabody Institute of the Johns Hopkins University, but uh, gladly uh, I'm here and I I just will keep going. And th- that's a little bit on how I, I got to. I'm cutting a lot of details, but how I got here. Thank you, thank you for for sharing this. So you so you didn't come here for the the crab cakes and the great weather. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> yeah, but I I, I I literally have to say that. Uh, that's a good portion of why I am not one. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. That's great. <laughs> so, so you've been like in this sort of space, being a conductor, being in this space for the better part of half your life at this point. And yes. so walk us back through that, that moment when you're like, what was the feelings? What, what was the kind of the setting of when you realized like, yeah, this is what I want to put put my life towards. This is what I want to do. Um, I, I can remember like when I decided to at least have that curiosity to go into podcasting. I got just annoyed about like some news topic, and I was like, I think I got five minutes in me, and I just ranted about it for five minutes. And someone listened to it. It's like you know you can just kind of keep talking, right? You could just keep doing that. And that was a moment where I was like, oh, my, I'm being heard for this opinion that I have. And it led to ultimately me doing this. So what was like that sort of feeling that that you had that kind of informed you like conductor? That's the thing for me. It, there are so many layers for, for this topic that I think we can touch on all of them in, in, in a certain level. <clears throat> I always have been a well-trained introvert. I, I am I'm an introvert that, and I was trained through life to behave like a non-introvert. I will never say an, as an extrovert, but um, and I always loved music. Sure, I loved people. So for me, the idea of becoming a flute player was rather challenging, despite the fact that I love music. For being for playing the flute, I always liked to play in bands, to play in, in uh, pop bands, in folk groups, and um, this idea of having a large group of people with whom I could interact and get to know the curiosity about people always was something that was present on me. But to be really honest, the moment that I, I heard the symphony orchestra for the first time it was really life changing. And um, when I could see the conductor shaping the sound through his hands without saying a single word, yeah. that was something that deeply moved me. And to see how how beautiful that music is. Because classical music, I, I used to tell this to all my friends, it's an experience. You can listen to the radio. It's cool, of course. I love listening to classical music in the radio. But in the concert hall, oh my God, it's a completely different perspective. You can see yeah. the passion on the eyes of the musician. You can see everybody excited. You can, you know, uh, experience that moment. So for me, that that experience was was really meaningful. And it definitely shaped who I am today. 100%. That's, that's great. Um, so in, in traveling, you, you mentioned coming from 
Brazil, coming from South America and kind of doing, you know, different opportunities there to learn in this craft and this this skill and, and this this art. So having that experience and then coming up here to the U.S., what were some of the memorable experiences you've had in your career thus far that you're like, that really sticks out or that was a really bad time or this is a great learning experience? What are some of those memorable things that, that stick out for you? I gosh, there are so many. Um, no, I'll give some. Um, sure. The, the, some memorable moments were definitely uh, in my career were when I got to places that I have ne- that I have never thought I would be at some point. So, um, <clears throat> on the good side, of course, I think the the first time I conducted in Sala São Paulo, the main concert hall of of, of Latin America, I would say, um, the first time I stepped on the stage was really really special. I was conducting the São Paulo State Youth Orchestra. Um, and also, of course, saying chronological order, not in, in ranking. But um, that was fantastic. I remember <laughs> there was a guy. Um, he uh, he 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 was basically the assistant for for the concert hall itself, and he was supposed to open the doors for me to come into the stage. And I was so happy that I just jumped on him and hugged him, and I was <laughs> hugging literally everybody that was around me. And everybody thought, oh my gosh, this guy is over. What's happening here? I, I just could not contain my excitement because as soon as I decided to be conductor, I decided to do some, decided to do some research. And that concert hall, because it's the main hall of, of Brazil, was always in the research as I did. And to be honest, I thought, oh my gosh, I'll never go to that place. And when I, I could step on the stage on that place was um, absolutely incredible. And the musicians were so kind. It was a great concert. <clears throat> um Another one I would say was the day of my audition at Johns Hopkins. Oh, um, auditions can be really frightening, can be really stressful, and of course I was stressed with my audition. But Mary also has such an, a way to be human, to yeah. understand, to be much more than the star she is people say oh my gosh Mary also is a star and yes she is she's she's a star and she's great but when you th- when when you get to know Mary also as a human being you see where why and where this star really is you know the star is in her heart and it's really nice to it was it was a wonderful moment to 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 conduct for the first time for for my hero and she had never seen me conduct and I came, of course, shaking all my body, hands and legs. <laughs> and she was so, so, so very kind to me. And it was definitely a, a day that I'll never forget. The, the day that I had the opportunity to conduct for my hero. That's really, that's really cool. Uh, and they talk about, you know, on occasion, uh, you should never meet your heroes or what have you. But I think when it works out and they're, you know, it, at a minimum decent, and if, if as a maximum, like really good and really kind and gracious, it's it's a good experience. It's, it's a great experience. And mm-hmm. um, there are a few people that are in, you know, it's, it's it, they're in my shoot your shot list of like, all right, I need to get this person for an interview. And they, they fall into this realm of people I really look up to and, you know, that I kind of classify as as a hero or what have you just because of the way they go about things and you know, kind of touching on one of the things that I'm, I'm picking up, like 
this will mm-hmm. never happen. And then when it happens, you're like, oh, wow, now my, my palms are sweaty and I can't fit my clothing anymore. What am I going to do? So definitely I, I relate in that regard. And um, I, I, I don't know if I'm an introvert or an extrovert. I, I like to look at it like I'm a shy extrovert. Mm-hmm. I like to look at it that way. Like, you know, one-to-one, I'm good. If there's a group of people, I'm sending the representative. And I don't know, like, you know, being on stage, that that notion is is frightening. And having to remember stuff like a conductor does, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's, you know, I I always try to, to think when I'm really nervous about something, about the, the joy that is to be to do to be a musician you know and how much i fought to 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 become a conductor so you know there is a a sentence in portuguese that i didn't arrive to to i I didn't arrive i didn't walk this far to get this far so i love it you need to you need to move to go forward you you know every step that you give forward makes you look back and say no so i i cannot walk that much to stop here you need to go to keep going so i think this is a a thing that i always think on that when i come to this stage this is the moment that i i expected for months for years for decades at this point i like to look at it like like that i'm gonna i'm gonna steal that um but also this sort of idea of like anything that comes with it with with what i'm doing i asked for it that's the way that i look for look at it like you know, getting more attention, bringing in different guests and having this sort of like diverse, like tapestry of conversations, it's going to open me up to have so many different opportunities present themselves. So it's like, if you're not going for that, then really, what are you doing? It's mm-hmm. always progressing. And I, I, I'm, I'm a tankerer. And I don't know if you are, but I'm a tankerer. And I got a question that relates to this later. I like to like tweak things a little bit and make it my own. And, you know, that's that's how I apply it to this 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 podcast. And one of the things that I'm looking at is like I recognize what it is, but I'm trying to take some of the things that I learned through these conversations and reading art books of, all right, let's not recreate the same thing that I've did. Let's not recreate interviews that the guest has done already. Let's try to bring something unique and try to get them not necessarily uncomfortable, but have them thinking maybe in a different way. Mm-hmm. So I have like a table of questions that I ask and I retired them like every year to bring in new questions and new ideas. And, you know, I look back at old interviews. I was like, wow, I can't believe I asked that. So like that was that was nothing thoughtful there. Nothing came out of that. So I I, I want to uh, clarify if I find this real quick. Um, what is the difference between an opera an orchestra and a symphony. I heard the terms. I don't know what they mean. So help us, me, the listeners, all of that good stuff. Please break this down for us. Sure. So the orchestra is nowadays the, the group of musicians. So in general, we have violins. We have the orchestra is divided in sections. So we have the strings, the violin, viola, cello, double bass. We have the woodwinds, flutes, oboes, bassoons, clarinets, and some auxiliary instruments. We have the brass section. That's uh, trumpets, horns, trombones, and you have the percussion section. So this group of instrument, n- instruments, uh, it's called nowadays the orchestra. A symphony is a genre mm-hmm. that is frequently 
played by the orchestra. So, but not only. Actually, we have symphonies for 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 wind bands. We have symphony for um, mixed groups and for chamber groups, which means really small group of of, of players. So it's a genre in general in four in four movements and. It was um, developed through the classical period, and of course, the, with everybody knows Beethoven Nine and of the most famous symphonies. So, it's a kind of composition. When we talk about opera, opera is a is a is a melodramatic construction. So we have this is uh, the, the 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 connection between theater and music, and as it happened. In the past, the music that was played in opera is what, what we call today uh, classical music. So we have, at that point, they didn't have the microphones as we have today. So the singers, they use a specific technique, the, 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 the lyric singing, for to project their voices over the orchestra. So this is, the, this is why the, the opera and the sopranos and the tenors, they have that specific color. Uh, and because they use a technique that allows them not to use a microphone and cut the sound of the orchestra and be heard despite the fact that sometimes they have a 70 people orchestra behind them playing full force and still then they, they can be heard. So when you talk about opera, we're talking about a theater play that's sang, like for, for example, a Broadway musical, yeah. um, but with classical music and lyric singing. In general, uh, the most famous opera, the golden age of the opera is the romantic Italian opera. For example, the G Germanic romantic opera that we're, we're talking about the second half of the, the, the 19th century and the first decades of the 20th century sometimes. So we're talking about this theater that connects with, with music. So you, you literally have a storytelling. You have a storytelling on the stage. The story is either fully sang or in certain parts is spoken and we have singing parts as well so it's a, basically a show thank you thank you for clarifying that and mm -hmm. I, I think it's a good segue to this one question i have that's a little further ahead but i think i'll go into it do you have a favorite piece of music um that that come, and i know it be is hard it's hard to ask a person as a music person do you have a favorite piece but you know if someone was like you only have one uh, piece of music that you can conduct for the rest of your life. What would that piece be? Um, and I have a part B to that, but I'll let you start off there. Yeah, I, I'm i fascinated about rhythm. And um, if it, I would try probably to sneak some uh, some pieces together to, to bring the same, you know, uh, illegally in my pocket. Um, <laughs> for 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 this favorite piece a package but um it changes every three hours my favorite piece is, is a kind of a nightmare in my head but and nowadays i'm really into johannes brahms a composer and i think his first symphony is one of my my favorites if this podcast would happen in three hours i would have i would have a different answer so um Probably, if this podcast happened in three hours, I would say that I would take Villa Lobos, a composer from Brazil, Choros Number Ten, that's inspired on uh, indigenous communities singing yeah. with choir and orchestra. And if you ask me in six hours, I would <laughs> ask today that uh, I would answer probably that um, is Rite of Spring by Stravinsky. So um, uh, this connection with nature is something that really, really, con really intrigues me, and I think 
orchestra can replicate really well the sounds of nature. And I'm always fascinated by that. So it's it's fair to say that uh, music is very dynamic for you, being that, you know, three hours later, it's a different thing. Oh, uh, so what would you say, like, so if you have a piece, and I think I have a sense of it based on how you you started off that answer, do you ever try to put your own spin on an arrangement or it's a classic, a classic? You know, um, <clears throat> I think really depends. Um, with the Romantic era and with the, the arrival of the recordings in a certain way, all the the scores, they became, they became something that's really religious and people follow the score really, really uh, religiously as people follow the Bible sometimes or any sacred book. I, there are, of, of course, several interpretations of these works, and everybody has a different interpretation, but there are some scores that uh, we are more likely to, to have an insert or to cut things out because we think, oh my gosh, this was way too much. Let's cut this section out. In opera is more common, but sure. in symphonic music, it's a little bit less common, but you know, it happens sometimes. So I remember I conducted a piece by uh, Gilbert and Sullivan. is an operetta, that's a small opera, um, called Trial by Jury in Brazil. And we decided to change everything. So we inserted Brazilian rhythms and Brazilian instruments. And it, we, we made basically Trial by Jury become a party. And, and that really well. I mean, it was really fun. Um, everybody was dancing by the end, and um, for me, this was this is what classical music is. And uh, classical music needs to be something that people have fun with. Do you, Do you feel that in taking that sort of approach, and I, and I love the way you describe that? Do you think that is almost kind of a a way to meet people where they're at to broaden it? I, I know that I asked a similar question to. <laughs> Jonathan Hayward about like how can this be a little bit more like classical music in a macro sort of way how can it be more inviting to audiences that this doesn't seem like this would be your type of music or your type of scene was that an effort to say you know what I'm going to make this a party this is still classical music but this is something that's for the people that are here they're going to get it 100% I think I think this idea of connecting uh, past and present and different cultures um, sometimes we have the feeling that we are inserted in a monochromatic culture, and this is not a, this is absolutely not true. Everything we hear we hear during the day, either in the car, in the radio, on the bus stop, on elevator, everything is connected through different cultures at some point. And I think sometimes we need to make these connections, including time-wise. So the idea when I did that was with the the the, the English opera. Um, with that specific piece was exactly to bring the the the, the humor that were uh, in this uh, British humor more close to the Latin American um, flavor and show that we we can we can have fun with any kind of co any kind of music expression if the piece is funny and if the intention of the work is that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this is the last real question I have. And like I said, you're still going to get those rapid fire questions. But uh, so give us that that rundown on how do you get ready for a concert? And, you know, what would be, 
you know, the most, well, something that that's difficult for you as a conductor. So how do you get ready for a concert? And what is like something that's just super difficult for you? So my process to get ready for a concert starts with, the, of course, the planning of the repertoire. So see what pieces and we are, we are, I would like to perform or the orchestra is receptive to perform. And on that matter, I have a pretty open, open approach. Of course, I have the pieces that I love to conduct, but I try to avoid them at all costs. <clears throat> I, for me, the, the concert should be uh, a celebration of the community, celebration of who is listening. Sure. So it's it's going to be really really hard for for somebody to see me conducting. That's something that's completely out of the range of some certain community. From I would like to I always like to discuss the repertoire that's going to be made with the people that are going to either organize the concert or invite people over or how they're going to promote. So that was one of one of the conversations that I had with uh, Rafaela Drazing when we 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 were working on the Hopkins Symphony Orchestra about the programs is to create programs that can serve the community who attends the concert and what they would like to hear and how can we challenge them to hear different things but not uh, blindside them. So for me, this is the, the first part. After that is score study. For me, I like to have, to have a score in advance and study the score to to a certain point that I can almost feel the music inside me. It's not about knowing only my brand, but my brain, but for me, it's really important to feel the music. The, the, the emotional aspect for me is, is really important. And I try to imagine the situations and read about the composer and what he was passing through when he was composing that piece and try to imagine the sound world of that piece. And that was one of the biggest contributions that I think Marin gave me was this idea of thinking about the sound world where every composer is inserted in. And to try to bring that alive again, what he thought as a sound, what he would like or she would like to sound, um, the orchestra to sound, sorry. And after that, rehearsals. And um, Rehearsals are, are, are really, really interesting part of, the, of my job. Maybe is the my favorite part of the job, just because I have the opportunity to to tell musicians and to to share with them the experience. Not only tell them what to do, but also receive their perspectives. Sometimes change my mind and have this interaction that sometimes is has no words, but sometimes yeah. is is really about dialogue, musical dialogue. And for me, this is incredible. And then concert. And the concert for me is a celebration. Concert for me is is the, the time that we go on the stage and we we show um, we share with people what we had best. Um, you know, I many many times I always say this in my either in my rehearsals or for for the for my students. <clears throat> in the past, there there used to be uh, it, there was we used to have conductors that would say, "Oh, my my dream, uh, my job is basically to take from the musicians what they have best." And um, after many years thinking, I think we we don't take anything from anybody. I think we just create the conditions for everybody to share, and then they they feel free to share and they share, and it's, it's basically like a, a a party, you know. Everybody brings a piece of food and. <laughs> And everybody will always bring some food back, which is like a miracle, right? Yeah. You bring you bring a plate of food, and everybody brings a plate of food, and everybody gets 
gets full and stuffed and happy and drinks and eats and there is always leftovers that everybody's bringing back so i don't know how that happens but in certain way music is like that nobody loses anything the more we share the more we have that's great and um if it was one thing that you found this to be super difficult in in the process of being a conductor what would that be my gosh there are so many um <clears throat> i think I think nowadays we have we uh, we ha we have such a uh, uh, such an environment, such a, a space where we we need to have marketing and everything, and we need to promote ourselves, and we need space. I think, and on top of that, you need to study scores, and you need to study how to deal with people, and you need to to. I think the most the hardest part for me is to understand how how many topics conducting embraces. Not only um, not only music. Music is the best part of conducting, of course. But there are so many other things that are related to music that are not exactly um, part of the profession, but are essential for for the career of a conductor. So sometimes I I I caught my I caught myself. A little bit overwhelmed, do so many things that I have to do, or, or, or I forget one area. Oh my gosh, I don't upload my website for three months now. What happened? And, you know, sometimes this kind of um, uh, infor extra information can be a little bit overwhelming. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, with that, I want to wind down these next few minutes with I got a couple rapid fire questions. Uh, don't overthink them, they're just quick questions. Uh, and um, one is ridiculous that I just added, and it's definitely will time when we're doing this, but I thought it would be prudent to ask it because you talked about the uh, background with the flute. So, you know, flautist question here for you, but I want to start off with a softball for you. Dark chocolate or milk chocolate? Oh, dark chocolate for sure. It's a very uh, South American answer. It's the right answer, actually. <laughs> uh, do you have a hidden talent? If so, what is it? I love cooking. Oh, my God. Yes. Okay. I feel like Cosinia? No, no, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the last one I got for you. See, you're, you're knocking these out really quickly. This is the, the most ridiculous one, but I saw it in the news recently. So uh, Lizzo was able to play the James Madison crystal flute. Is that something of interest to you? That, that flout, uh, from a flautist perspective, would you want to play that flute? Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yes. <laughs> Wow. No, I, I saw a friend of mine, actually my boss, she went to the concert and I was I was asking to see the videos of, of her playing on first first hand. Can you show me if you recorded and she was showing me? It was great. That's amazing. Yeah. So with that, um, I want to thank you for, for being on this podcast and sharing your story with me and uh the and the listeners. And um I want to invite and encourage you to uh tell the fine folks, the listeners, where to check you out, um, your work, your social media, all of that good stuff. The floor is yours. Well, thank you. You can check um this the the Peabody Institute for for the concerts that we have a, we we have ahead. Um in our website, you can check, of course, the Hopkins Symphony Orchestra. We have two concerts coming up, one of them full of Latin American music, which I'm really excited to share with the public and with the orchestra. We have music from Brazil, from Argentina. Um, you can check me also. You can uh, follow me up on social media, Juliana Nicheto. And um, yeah, just uh, let's share this journey together. 
Well, there you have it, folks. Again, for Giuliano Anacetto, I am Rob Lee saying that there's art, there's music in and around your city. You just got to look for it. <laughs>